Guys, welcome back to the Built for Life podcast. Um, episode like what, 16 or something? 16. I were definitely losing a little bit of count, but we are back in the podcast studio actually for the first time in weeks. Months. Uh, months, aye. I think we, we recorded maybe with the first like what, five or six in here? I think we get the first three back in January, but it feels like a genuine lifetime ago. No, I know. I know. It's because we've had so much feedback in between now and then. And I'm back in the UK currently because we have a live event tomorrow. We are meeting up with the guys, doing a big training session. Then we are going for coffee, cake, and then a cold water dip. Some of the clients who will not be named are being pussies and not coming to the dip. So if that's one of you and you're listening, that was a little dig. <laughs> um, Jen, are you dipping? Um... No comment. Pussy. Uh, <laughs> so, realistically, we wanted to come back in the podcast studio today. We just feel as if the audio is a little bit crisper, you know. Mm. It's a little bit more relaxing down here than it is on Zoom. Plus, we have a special guest that we're going to introduce to you in a second. Now, obviously, this is the Built for Life podcast. Me and Jen primarily have been on here because, you know, that's pretty much been the Built for Life team up until this point. But... We obviously have Jean on board, but she is more on a kind of part-time role ever in-house psychotherapist. But now we have a new full-time member of staff, Mr. Rudy McCall, that is joining us today. Welcome. Thank you very much, Mark. <laughs> now, before we go any further, you can tell that this guy does not have the same Glaswegian accent as Jen and I. At least he's South Scottish. You hit the mark there. But we're sorry if you wanted to hear some more raw ruggedness yeah, from Glasgow. But I need to check territory Ah, uh, we are. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he lives in Newcastle now and anyone northern in England is still pretty fucking sound. So we found a good one. So Rudy, say hi to the guys. Hello guys. Oh, <laughs> listeners. I hope you're all doing well. Um, I'm, I'm Rudy. I'm, I sound a lot softer Scottish, obviously, as has been pointed out by Mark. Pussy Scottish. Scottish, Scottish Geordie hybrid. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm excited to get cracking with this. This is my first podcast. I might be a little bit uh, flustered at points, but now I'm excited to get cracking. It'll be totally fine. We just told them anyway that we talk shit on this podcast. so yeah. <laughs> we, we don't possess the ability to shut the fuck up, so no, you'll be fine. We definitely don't. We definitely don't. And you guys know anyway, you, we usually kind of digress on this podcast and we go down so many different routes and avenues. I think we start with a topic and then we get to the end and we think, how did we end up on that fucking thing that mm. we just spoke about? And is that even still part of the topic that we started with? Rarely. Rarely. But what we wanted to do today was probably, first and foremost, get to know Rudy a little bit more. Then we're going to be talking about peak performance. We'll go into a little bit more depth about what that means and what our perspectives are on it when we get to that point. But Rudy, why don't you tell the guys a little bit about yourself? Um, obviously, they know your name. They know kind of where you're from, but if you go into a little bit of depth of what you've done throughout your life up until this point, why you do what you do, and uh, potentially why you're now part of the Built for Life team and why you feel like you fit in so well here. That would be sensational. Yeah, no worries. I'll try and keep it brief. I'm um, so Ruri, Alistair, Lewis, McCall, despite them taking the piss out of me for not being that Scottish. <laughs> I'm the Red King defender of humankind battle champion. <laughs> <laughs> we translate that into Gallic. William Wallace's um, nephews. Um, <laughs> um, also known as Sugar Tits, but you call yourself Sugar Tits sometimes. Coachmaster General <laughs> a lot. Um... Yeah, no, I was brought up in the borders in, um, well, Dumfries and Galloway in Langham, uh, but I just say Lockerbie because that's where everybody knows. I went to school in England um, and then went to university in Newcastle where I studied sport and exercise science and absolutely loved it. Probably the only thing other than zoology that I was actually interested in, real of animals, real of sport. Only sort of two things I would have gone and studied, went for sport science. And in terms of 
that, that in terms of like my education from there then I did sport and exercise science, came up with a two one. Um and then did my level three personal training qualification, worked on the gym floor for a wee while before, and that was kind of part-time. So part-time on the gym floor, part-time um, working a bar. And then I started online coaching um, with another partner and very, very enjoyable, kind of got to get a bit, little bit more of a handle on the lifestyle side of things and looking at it from more of a holistic point of view, apart from just my area of expertise, which is kind of the, the performance side of things. And then now I found myself with Mark and Jen, very, very thankfully so. I'm thoroughly enjoying it so far. If the clients listen to this as well, yeah. yeah. All of you are fucking class, by the way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, genuinely, I say this, say this to my we, mum all the time. We like, them to say that. Uh, <laughs> you guys are in. And I'm expecting a pay rise next month. <laughs> the, the best thing about that full back there is that he pointed to the mic when he was saying, oh, you guys. <laughs> as if you're fucking, as if you're all just miniature people inside this microphone and he's just speaking down to you like the god that he is. I'm just imagining they're in front of me right oh, now. So mate, I've got some are, audience to talk to. They really are a class bunch like, you've had so many calls with the guys that you've taken mm-hmm. programming on board for since you've since you've joined and like the feedback even that they've been giving us and giving you obviously in their chats as well has been sensational tell us a little bit more about how you kind of got into like sports exercise fitness to begin with um, right. and your kind of background on where your kind of maybe love started for it and where it is now so i've i've got adhd i was a very active child and the teach my teachers at school in primary school always said to mum they were like right you just need to tire them out more. You just need to tire them out. So they took me to taekwondo, athletics, swimming, football, rugby, um, horse riding as well. Um, the lots and none of it can be down. Like I'd go to these classes. I'd come out even more hyper afterwards. Um, so I've always done an awful lot of exercise from a really young age. I've never been ever sedentary. And then kind of when I started training training in terms of weights that was when i was about 14 my rugby coach gave me his son's olympic weightlifting set at that age and just turned the bottom room in the house into a gym for me and wrote (laughs) painted the walls white and spray painted quotes on the on the wall and everything um put holes in the wall from the barbell and stuff which mum wasn't best pleased at um, but at that, that, that stage, that was training purely for filling a t-shirt and looking good. Like that was all I gave a shit about. And I was, I was doing like, I thought the rowing machine was going to help my chest because my dad said that it was going to. So he's like, <laughs> Roar, rowers all have a big chest, Rudy. So you've got to row to get a big chest. I'm there rowing. My back's getting bigger. My chest uh, isn't doing like it. Like fucking pigeon chest. <laughs> yeah. <over> here, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then as my rugby started progressing so i was in the borders pathway system and then scottish exiles got scottish trials when i was 18 i believe um that's when i looked at training from more of a performance perspective so it was do my big lifts to get stronger and bigger for rugby um i've played flanker for school but i was a nine um at the higher level of rugby that i played so that was a bit weird from training perspective do i gain weight do i lose weight um, I, I, I've like, cause I had a clear goal, clear progression, clear place. I wanted to go with that style of training. I was very focused on my numbers and driven by the weight gain and numbers and metrics and stuff like that. That drove me at that point. It was enjoyable. Um, but probably not something I'd connect with as much now. My, um, ethos, I, I could train like that for years through uni. 
Um, and then in second year of uni, I found out my dad had terminal brain cancer. And then at that point of your life, anyways, I think a lot of people naturally, training will take more of a back step at uni anyways. You kind of want to socialize a wee bit more, maybe drinking more heavily. Um, but then when that happened with dad, that's when kind of, I didn't think, I didn't let it off that it was affecting us, but obviously it was massively. I think I didn't, cause I've, I had my mum and my sisters, I didn't want them to think I wasn't okay. I didn't want my dad to think I wasn't okay. My two little sisters didn't know it was terminal, so I couldn't talk to them. Um, and then my mental health definitely massively decreased, something we've only kind of realised more recently as opposed to when I was in that stage. And as I say, my drinking kind of increased other little bits and bobs, aggression kind of went up. Um, I just wasn't motivated to train in, in, in a rock and a hard place, but even though I knew that from my own knowledge and my background, that, that getting out, doing exercise, making myself do, like subjected to stressors, which were going to be good for me was going to positive, positively impact my mental health. Um, and then, so dad popped his cogs in summer and then I broke up with my girlfriend very shortly after that. And I was just self pitying, um, in a, in a hole. And then my mum had a wee tear from mum one day. And I think I've repeated the story a few times, but it genuinely is something that stays in my mind so much as my mum storming into my room, me like in fetal position in the corner, shaking, preparing for her to come in. She goes, only fucking you can fucking help yourself. And I, 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 generally I was, I was argumentative, but I looked at her, I was like, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong at all. So the next morning I woke up, went for a dip in the river. It was like November time. Um, took my 36 kg kettlebell for a nice long walk. Next day, got up, did a grueling workout. And literally within a week, I felt like a different bloke. Mm. So now my perspective on training is I do have my performance and physique based goals. We're chatting about that in the car is if you say, you, if, if, especially if you're young, but if you say that you don't have an aesthetic element to your training, it's likely that's bollocks. Like yeah. I do definitely understand that a big benefit of my training is looking good with my kit off. But like the main motivator now is just maintaining that consistency for maintenance of my own mental health that's yeah. that's my main driver i love that and you guys can probably tell why rudy's part of the team after obviously explaining what you just did because you already know the fucking bed bath and beyond of <laughs> jane and i's lives up until this point and i think what's what i've always loved about that kind of story is just the pure harshness of the scottish maw yeah. of like get a fucking grip and that being enough for you just to be like you know what yeah. something needs to change here and i think that's what's so important about this journey as well like this kind of coaching journey and it's probably very good to kind of touch on this because i think a lot of people have this perspective and this perception of if i get a coach then my problems are going to be solved when mm -hmm. it still starts with them like they still have to do the work like we're not the one going to eat the food do the training like do the homework if they've ever got something to work on like it's not us that's doing that it's them and they need to be willing to kind of pull themselves out of where they are and not ex expect a process to solve the problems for them because we can give them as much knowledge and information as possible but it's their application of it and i've always been a firm believer and if someone just gives me one thing that i can use such as your mum telling you to basically get a grip because it's only you that can help yourself that's always just been enough for me to make better decisions whereas on the flip side i see so many people with so much information that they're actually doing fuck all with it yeah. jen this might be quite good for you to maybe talk about a wee yeah. bit more yeah i think um i totally agree with what you've both said and i think it's made me think a wee bit more about how people frame accountability, right? So, like, very rarely do people hire a coach for information. They think they need information. 
but rarely can people actually identify the gaps and the knowledge that they have because you don't know what you don't know, right? So when you're being coached, it's not a knowledge transfer like from us to you. And I think some in some cases there are gaps that emerge along the way, right? So someone will do something, we say, be mindful of X, Y, and Z. They're like, oh my God, I never knew that. Oh my God, I never thought about that, which is why the program has always been really education heavy. But one of the most overlooked factors of peak performers, in my view, is how they use accountability. Your relation, like the coach has no responsibility, accountability, or authority for the behavior of their clients. You never own clients' outcomes, good nor bad. So whether you're performing or whether you're not performing, as long as I'm doing my job as a coach, it's not always a reflection on me. It's a reflection of your willingness to do the work, right? And don't get me wrong, we know that it's not as simple as just do the fucking work. But when we, we think about accountability, I think this is where quite a lot of people fall short of an understanding of what has to be done because they see the coach as the person who creates the accountability. So if I'm holding you accountable to something as a coach, I'm not in your house pulling the fucking biscuits out your mouth or checking in with you every single day and saying, Tell, what are you eating? What are you doing? Like breathing down your neck. That's not accountability. And actually, if that's what you need to be able to get results or create change, then you need to have a conversation with yourself if actually there's maybe deeper rooted stuff going on there that you need to deal with if you need someone berating you for you to be able to do any sort of change. Because when that's not there any longer, you've learned nothing. You've not learned for yourself how to create and sustain the behavior. It's been bred into you by someone else tapping into your operant conditioning, punishing you and rewarding you when you do what they say or when you, do, or when you don't do what they say. So I think when people really take into account, peak performers take into account an understanding of what accountability is and they recognise the coaches there to hold the space for accountability to be available. But ultimately, you have to hold yourself accountable to that person and to what you said, right, and how you've behaved. So the difference in this can look like ghosting, avoidance, right, or complete and utter deflection. So we hear this a lot like, I fucked up, but I'm not beating myself up right? You're going in the assumption then that we're going to fucking beat you up or we're going to give you a hard time. That's just a projection of how you feel. You wanted to beat yourself up. So you just deflect from it and say, I'm not going to do it, right? Actually, why is that even in your mind? Because there's no punishment needs to be necessary here. We're two adults in a coaching relationship. There's no need for punishment to exist either from coach or to you for yourself. Um, or we get the, like, we were speaking about this before, like, I know when you're, we know when you're doing well. I think it was last week we spoke about mm -hmm. this. We know when, when you're doing well because you engage with us. We know when things aren't going well because you don't engage with us. We have some people who we know when they're not speaking to us, actually they're just flying. They don't really need that additional level of accountability because their behaviours are solid. But if you're on a journey, you're still actively working on things, you're still actively learning and, er, er, learning things. If you're avoiding us, you're avoiding yourself. Aye. Like if you're avoiding us, you're avoiding looking at the reality and this comes down to things as simple as like, um, I seen a post from somebody the other week and I, find, I still find myself doing it every now and again if I overeat and I'm like, I just won't put that in. And then it's like, hold on a minute, I'm just lying to me. Therefore, who else am I going to lie to? You, right? And then it just has this continuous knock-on effect where it doesn't actually benefit anybody. When you use accountability well as a tool in a coaching relationship, you're using the expertise of the coach, but also that space that's available for you because that's literally what it's for. 
accountability is literally there for us to hold you to the North Star of what you said you want and help you apply the information that you're getting so that it's not information overload. It's supporting you to apply it where you need it and getting a better understanding for yourself of how you implement it and make it adjust to your day-to-day life and what you're trying to achieve. Boom. That was a lot. That was fucking... <laughs> I must have needed a rant. I know. Needed a rant and I don't even know if you took a breath through that entire thing. I don't thing. think I did. I don't, I don't normally... I do. I'm trying to use more time efficiently. <laughs> We've done that in the mirror in the bathroom. You in. Every morning, mate. <laughs> what do... What do you think is one of the biggest things or some of the biggest things that could be impacting people's ability to be accountable to themselves? Like, what are the contributing factors that you think we see often? Even, Rory, you on this one as well. Like, from engaging with people, working with different personalities, working with people who, even though they come from different backgrounds, all sometimes do communicate in similar ways around why they're not being accountable. Mm. Which, as you said, sometimes they believe is to us when it's actually to themselves. What do you think are some of the main reasons that go into that? Like that lack of accountability to themselves? Do you think it's cultural? Do you think it's low self-esteem? Do you think it's a belief issue? Do you think it's all of the above? Mm. Do, you want to, do you want to go first since I just had a big rant? Yeah, I'll go for it. <laughs> in this one. Um, I think it is kind of more all of... It's never going to be just one thing yeah. for people not holding themselves accountable. Obviously, there's going to be problems like habitual thinking patterns possibly um if you maybe if you if you talk to yourself more negatively then you'll be more likely to be more avoidant so a situation might not pipe up a to your coaches or to yourself as well because there'll be the element of shame in it Hmm. um i think from from a personal perspective that talking about like like in that time when i possibly wasn't holding myself accountable blaming other people for my failings and shortcomings a big like kind of catchword is is compassion and yeah that's very important but i thought that me sort of brushing over me not getting workouts and not sticking to good nutrition and stuff like that i was like oh that's fine it's okay don't beat yourself up about mm-hmm. it. i thought i was being compassionate yep. to myself in that situation and so wasn't holding myself accountable for not doing what i planned on doing Whereas in reality, that compassion wasn't really supporting me. It wasn't really compassion in that situation and the mindset I was in and having that discipline to do what I said I was going to do would have been having compassion kind of from a future self mm. in that environment. And I think also kind of just miss, misunderstanding balance between compassion and discipline mm. as well can lead to people sort of not holding themselves as accountable as they could to to their sessions 100 percent other other endeavors that they're doing and then understanding that failure is normal that's another big one you're gonna cock up habits are habits for a reason it's been something that's ingrained into you for years yeah you can't walk 100 steps into the woods and come out in five you are going to fail when you're forming new habits as soon as you realize that that is inevitable then it makes it easier to handle some failings hold yourself more accountable and communicate as well does guys in the chat like there's no shame in failing failing in your diet missing a session it's not the end of the fucking world like you share it with us we'll be able to give actionable steps you can implement those steps in fact it's important to fail isn't it because then you know what you can put in place to continue getting better yeah if you fail you never win like that is like they're not they're not individual like winning and losing in, the, in their own right are a relationship you can't have one without the other you need to lose to win and you need to win to lose yeah you know like that they're, like they're not they're not things that you can choose 
willingly to come separately as individual packages yeah like it's only you only win through a loss and understanding what that feels like what you need to change the kind of game plan and strategy as to how you approach it next time and if you are winning too much you're also in your comfort zone far too much and you're not Absolutely. growing so just because you're repeating something again and again and again and again that you are good at and it feels like a win because you're on top of your nutrition you're on top of your training like you're living a kind of happy lifestyle and you feel like everything's hunky-dory in comparison to what it was, that's great if that's where you want to stay. But if you are someone that's still talking about wanting to grow and develop more, you need to lose some more to then go to the next level. A client asked me um, a while ago, like, what is this levels thing we talk about, right? Mm. The levels thing is like, there are levels to fucking life, right? Look at where you are at your saddest fucking point, right? That is a very low level of this game that you're playing. Think of like a video game, right? You go through the video game and as you get up the levels, it gets more increasingly difficult to get to the next level, right? That's the exact same thing when it comes to growth within you as an individual. When you're going through a process of transformation, like body transformation, it gets harder the leaner that you get, right? So the further up the levels you go, the harder it's get. That's how it is designed. And computer games are designed the way in which your life is designed if you want to grow in the fucking same way. So you need to make sure that when you're going through this process, you're realistic of the fact that you need to have a greater vision to outweigh the circumstances that you're ultimately going through. And I think people's lack of vision and understanding of where they can take themselves really does hinder their level of accountability because people have so much trust in time. Yep. So much fucking trust in time as if they're just going to have all the time in the world, right? Mm. And don't get me wrong, like, obviously people say, oh, you know, when someone like passes away, like a celebrity and everyone starts posting like you never know what could come tomorrow or if tomorrow will come and all the rest of it. it's like i all right we fucking get that but you also have to understand like that doesn't hold much substance with people yeah you know and then you're going to also go back to doing the same old shit tomorrow I, exactly <laughs> exactly because you're not you're not like emotionally invested in what you just read what you just saw the kind of bandwagon that everyone else is on because as as human beings we like collectively come together when we feel sad excited happy about things like when you go away on holiday yourself, if you've ever been away, like you're excited on a completely different level than if you go on a stag or a Hindu with your pals. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you actually get a an additional hit of like dopamine and adrenaline because everyone is buzzing off one another instead of you just buzzing off yourself. And that's why that buzz yourself and that kind of light and that fire, you always need to try and keep alive. And it's so important to have a vision. And my vision is always connected back to the person that I was when I first started this journey. Like my vision is always in the rear view mirror as much as it is when I'm aiming forward because if I stop to do the things if I stop doing the things that I am currently doing then how long will it take for me to get back into a position that I fucking hated being in right I would much rather put my back up against the wall voluntarily on a more frequent basis to keep on driving and growing in a direction that yes may be extremely uncomfortable and uncertain in the future but I already have a lot of security based upon what I've currently already built. I would much rather move into uncertainty from a growth perspective than start to do all the wrong things and regress into a place of uncertainty to go back to someone that somewhere that is almost, even though it's uncertain, is certain at the same time because you know exactly what it's going to take you due yeah. to what you've done and where you've been. And I said this on my, my Instagram stories a couple of weeks ago talking about like when we see debts paid. Someone came on my Instagram a while back and basically told me that they don't like the debts paid thing, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, that's your opinion. Don't fucking follow me then. <laughs> Quite simply. Um, and then I explained what it was for. And they're like, oh, well, from that perspective, like, I understand it now. And I'm like, well, I so don't pass comment on something you don't actually understand because you're projecting your assumptions onto what mm -hmm. I think um, you think I'm saying. So my vision is like, well, if I came from a background where we didn't have a lot of money initially, 
we grew up, we didn't really have similar opportunities to people that essentially were brought up in different areas, different families, different bloodlines and so on and so forth. And I've been able to create for myself what I've created for myself. Then I want future generations to make sure that they can go even further than I've already currently taken myself. You know, like I want them to be able to be so driven. I want them to have so much like will, grit, resilience, determination. I want them to have like skills that they can call upon from a very young age to improve their opportunities in life. And that's the thing, like so many people will fucking moan about where they came from, the cards that they were dealt, like fucking just use the cards you've been dealt and figure out something for yourself because it all starts with you anyway. Mm. And see if you're just going to sit there, the victim and moan about what other people are are doing and what they're capable of because of where they came from. It's absolute horseshit. Someone else reached out to me a couple of weeks ago and called me a narcissist because they struggle to put on weight, right? <laughs> called me a narcissist and I was like, I can fucking do it, mate. It's not my fault you can't build muscle. You know what I mean? Like maybe just try harder. Like, and that's the thing. Like people do have to try harder. Yes, you may have issues going on currently, but resolve your issues and actually implement the right fucking strategy if you really want that goal, right? But people would far rather use the energy and the time to like try and disqualify the work that other people have done. And the debts paid thing is about paying my debts currently so that I give the future generations the opportunities that I never had. And it's as simple as that. And I still don't even know if I want kids, right? But see if I do, I want them to be fucking animals. Mm. I want them to be a whole new generation. I want them to think better. I want them to operate better. I want them to perform better. I want them to have choice, you know, like have choice from the get go. Like I, I grew up not feeling like I had much choice. You know what I mean? The area we come from, the limitations we get put in ourselves. It's fucking ridiculous how people put everyone down that's around us. Like, if you don't do the same shit as everyone else, you just get fucking berated and embarrassed in front of people that probably exploit your biggest insecurities, you know? And that's why people just re-engage with the same stuff because it's like, these people know how to make me feel doubtful of what I'm potentially capable of. So I'm just going to regress into this kind of common cultural fucking vicious cycle that people expect from me and they never go anywhere and people just end up being fucking average and really like if you want to perform outlive have a better quality of life than a lot of what we have around us you need to fucking you need to realize that you're weak right and i know that might sound a little bit harsh right might sound a little bit harsh but Sorry, I was going to, I think I just swallowed some phlegm there at the same time. I wasn't, <laughs> was punishment? To, I wasn't, I wasn't starting to cry, but uh, I think, I think it is a, a sense of weakness because you need to be stronger to stand up to people. You need to be stronger to make your own choices. You need to be stronger to look at the real issues that you're having behind closed doors. You need to be strong enough to ask for help. You need to be strong enough to not project your assumptions and your thought processes onto other people. You need to be strong enough to push yourself a little bit more. You need to be stronger for the people around you. Like, we do have a general level of weakness like around us. And I think that's something not to hide from. And you'll ask anyone, like, do you want to be weak? And they'll be like, no. But then when you tell them they're acting weak in a situation, they'll be like, fucking really pissed off. I think it all comes down to people's relationships with discomfort. Oh, 100%. And I think that's a key difference between average and high performance is that high performers have such a good relationship with discomfort that they ask themselves what am I going to get what am I going to gain from this as mm. opposed to what am I going to lose as a result of this yeah and I think that's the thing that stops quite a lot of people from actually being able to progress is not I don't believe that they don't have the strength to do it I think their relationship with discomfort stops them from being able yeah. to build the strength with it and obviously you were reading my mind to your top of vision because that's what I was going to come on to next 
the the challenge I think for a lot of people is the relationship with discomfort combined with lack of clarity and why they actually want the thing that they want. So when things get hard, they are experiencing discomfort. It's like, oh, well, fuck that then. I don't want that anymore because it's too hard. Yeah. So what did you want it for in the first place anyway? Like, were you just operating from ego entirely or was there actually something in there that was going to help you to become the person that you wanted to be, right? Because, like, look at your your experience there, like, losing your dad, really being in that difficult situation, your mum doing love it, like, classic Scottish mall, like, get a fucking grip of yourself and get up and do it. Your relationship with discomfort changes completely because you're submerged in it. You've got no choice but to get out and you start to operate from the vision of who you want to be. Like, that's pure intention in a nutshell and that's how people take themselves from average performance to high performance and I, like, I'm laughing at when you say there about when people talk about the cards that are dealt to them and I remember back in the day I spoke about this in my hot seat because I used to genuinely say that life had dealt me a bad hand right and I used to genuinely believe that it wasn't my fault for being the way that I was and crucially there was a lot of things that happened to me that shouldn't have happened to me right you're always going to be the victim of shitty situations but like I didn't then have to define myself by the difficulty. And I think this is the bit that people miss is that regardless of the reason, and I know I've said this before, but regardless of the reason why it happened to you doesn't change what you need to do to get over it. So you can stay defined by what happened to you. You can stay in that place of discomfort or you can stretch how you define discomfort, you can change your relationship with it. Like how often do we say now when we're going through something difficult, we're like, there's what opportunities have we got here? There's a reason for this. Like what's going to come out the yeah. other side of this? What is this trying to tell us that we need to focus on? What are we taking from this? Like every single time we are in the shit and we're like, this is doing my fucking head and this needs to change. The focus is always on opportunity. Like I will have a moan because we're human beings, but ultimately it's about what is this telling us that's necessary to grow to the next level? Because growing to the next level is not a choice. Yeah. Like it's a necessity. It's an it's 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 always what's happening. And I really think I've been banging on about vision for a really long time, but I, people just don't know what it is. They don't they don't know what vision is. It's just such this this like thing in the ether that nobody really wants to be specific on and i think it's because a lot of people are scared to actually say out loud what they really truly want fucking right it is 100 mm percent. -hmm. like i actually said this a couple of weeks ago and the clients were kind of blown away by it where i literally just said like everything that you do not pursue comes down to fear doubt and insecurity yep. see if you see if you take away all the bullshit that's what it comes down to. And I actually voice noted a client this morning and he came back to me saying, it actually annoys me how much you understand me. <laughs> because one thing I said to him towards the end of the voice note, especially, I was like, listen, I want you to just take all this bullshit away. I want you to tell me what you're scared of. I want you to tell me what you actually want, what you're scared to say. I want you to tell me what you are scared of happening, like what insecurities are going to be exploited if you do not achieve this. And every time they have a conversation with this guy, he says every time like you get me so bang on and i'm like because we've seen it so many times before mm -hmm. and it just continuously happens so frequently amongst the people that we work with and people in other coaching communities but we are far more open within our program to talk about it in comparison to other programs that we just understand the patterns and we understand that the things that people aren't saying are the things that are actually really holding them back and when i was talking about weakness before i always like to think of it from like a muscle building perspective it's like you can only build muscle if you can progressively overload right so if you're not strong enough 
to push past that pain threshold because you've got a good relationship with comfort then you don't deserve to build the muscle mm-hmm. you know and i wanted to put that in there because people might have thought i was being really harsh when i said you're just weak that is always my perception of weakness like i spoke about this at our live event where i talk about like life is stimulating you so it's like additional pressure on you and you need to grow from that so if you're always going through the same pressures at work family life with your your own transformation journey and you're not adapting and overcoming that you don't really deserve the outcomes either if you're not willing to look at how you can improve that relationship with discomfort and what else you can do to achieve the outcomes that you want because there's always another way and like jen said here you have to look at the opportunity that comes from it what it's telling you instead of just doing the same thing over and over again and not really being willing to look at the fear the doubt the insecurities and when people are looking at vision and they're scared to talk about what they want it's because it's not normalized like when i moved to dubai most people actually don't know that i live in dubai now when i first moved so many people had things to say but see when it comes to their favorite influencer their favorite celebrity doing things Mm -hmm. they're fucking right up their arse they're jumping on their dick every two seconds you know what i mean and it's like they give them someone they don't know that level of support but someone from the local area that essentially is trying to better themselves and go against the kind of grain of normal society and what that's been kind of taught to us from growing up they don't like it and that all happens because of their expectations yeah exactly it's always the expectations that kill the belief Mm, 100% Rue yeah did you have something to say on that I was going to chat about the weakness about what you were saying I don't think anyone many people are born like innately weak I think it is just kind of self-limiting mindset that 100%. makes people weak. Like what you're saying about playing with cards you dealt, like pissing with the cock you've got, like control the controllables. There's always going to be something you can't control. There's always going to be things you can't, you can't control. If you focus on the things that you can't control, that's when, that's when you're going to become kind of self-defeatist. That's when you're going to start limiting yourself even more because those are things you don't have a handle on, but you usually discredit the things that we actually can control. One thing we can control is our mindset towards things just as you were saying about training it like a muscle that's exactly it it's like progressive overload for your brain one challenge if you think i don't have a good example for this but something that was a challenge for you three years ago if you've got a growth mindset and you keep suscepting yourself to this stress deliberately perceiving it as something to grow through that something three years ago which would have been a challenge won't be a challenge to you now and that's exactly what it is with like progressive overload with a muscle the more you're susceptible to the stress, good stress, you stress, like exercise, cold water, even just changing the way you perceive like arguments in the office. Hmm. If you perceive it as something that's going to be negative and out with your control, that'll be a distress. That's something you're not going to grow through. But if you see it as something that's going to be a you stress, something that you're going to learn from, then that's when you're going to end up growing through that. So I just don't think anyone's inherently weak. I think a lot of people make themselves weaker in comparison to people who have who have that growth mindset and and the willingness to suscept themselves to stress and grow through it. Yeah. I would love to know for both of you, from both of your experience, what do you believe are the common physical attributes you will see in someone that you would regard as a peak performer? Like how are they behaving differently from people who maybe are currently thinking that they're at that lower level but want to take a step up? Like what's the difference there? What I would say is like, I think, as Rue said as well, like no one's like inherently weak because we are designed to suffer. Like we are actually designed to suffer as human beings or we wouldn't have developed this far. Like we fucking evolved so much as a species, you know? And the people that go further than others are the people that 
build the, the necessary resilience and the discipline to be able to become stronger in whatever area it is. If I look back at where I was, and I would never have ever thought in my life that I would regard myself as a high performer or a peak performer. If I look back then, I was incredibly weak because I always looked at things like Rudy was talking about a second ago with just pure pessimism. You know, it was always victim mentality. Why was I dealt with these cards? Why did I come from this area? Why did I have these poor opportunities? Why, when I got good at something, someone else would come along and they'd be fucking better at it than me? Like all of that sort of stuff. And the people who basically separate themselves from individuals maybe at that level to being real peak performers or people who are doing pretty well and they're on the journey to it. The kind of physical attributes, do you mean what they portray? What, or what they portray and kind of how they behave? Like how they what are they doing differently in yeah. life in general? Oh, 100%. So these individuals, there's always common traits that I see across the board. Number one, they're not big drinkers, right? It doesn't mean that they don't go out very often and have a drink. It means they control their alcohol consumption. Mm. It means they're home for a particular time because they know that the days after they are busy and they need to get shit done. They value family massively. So they would put their fucking life on the line for the people that they love always, right? And that can sometimes be a difficulty for them because then they fill their diary so much with everyone else's expectations of them. But also equally, they want to match those people's expectations because they have so much love and fucking care for them. They carry themselves incredibly well. Like they can walk into a room and they can be confident, even if they're quite um, shy by nature. I've seen kind of like peak performers and higher performers that can walk into a room and people still feel their presence because they're there. The way they show up, the way in which they stand, the way in which they speak when someone speaks to them the way in which they introduce themselves, because we've even seen it at live events before where people will come along and they'll be nervous to like stand and talk to each other while everyone's coming into the room. The kind of peak performers or the higher performers will just be straight up handshaking. This is my name. Who are you? Where are you from? Like how long have you been in the program for? I see that you're new. You know, like they have that, that approach. They don't shy away from challenge. So they don't ever leave too many open loops in their mind. And we've spoken about open loops before, but open loops is basically you having something on your mind that is draining a lot of energy from you that you know you need to tackle that you're not tackling. So that conversation you have to have with your boss or that conversation you have to have with your missus or that conversation you have to have with your parents, your siblings, it may be that payment you need to make that you're trying to avoid because you don't actually want to make it. Whatever that may be, it may be for some people like on the transformation journey side of things that are on their way to peak performance it might be that they're putting off going to get a dress fitted for a wedding because they cannot deal with the potential heartache that's going to come off i'm going to look horrendous in that dress you know like there's a there's a kind of flip side to both um where the people who are higher performers and peak performers they will kind of run into that and do it quickly so that the loop is closed whereas the other people will leave the loop open and they're in control of closing that loop, but they essentially again run out of time and think that they've got more that they can achieve within that time frame because their expectation's so high, and then let themselves down again and use that as a, a self-deprecating tool to like beat themselves up. Other things amongst high performers and peak performers as well is, and this is the reality of getting to this stage, guys. They're early risers. Yeah. They stay up late when they fucking need to stay up late and get shit done. They will understand that they'll go through periods of um, poorer sleep or less sleep. They understand they're going to have to go through times of like higher stress. Basically, they will do what they need to do to get the job done and get the job done to the best degree possible. They want to do everything with precision, but also they don't beat themselves up if they don't. You know, like on this flip side, you've got the perfectionism and people are like, well, I can't do it all. I don't do anything. These guys will do their best 
at everything they do. So say, for example, maybe they're more skilled in their career within their business. They will work at 100% capacity and give their best within that realm based upon their skill level at that point. But they'll also give 100% in the gym, even if their skill level doesn't match the 100% that they give in the office or in the business. They're still given 100% and they know that they are given 100% that's available in each of these areas, even if they look different all the time. So they're never really beating themselves up. They're always going like, well, do you know what? I fucking done my best. But I also know my best is only going to keep getting better if I keep on doing this. They've got a greater vision. They know where they want to take things. They are more growth-minded. They don't mind talking about money. They don't mind talking about travel. They don't mind talking about their kids. They, they actually don't mind bigging themselves up either. Mm. Like they, they humbly brag about themselves. And that's something that you don't really see too often round about like people in scotland as you were talking about like yeah. people don't want to talk about the expectations and then have that vision because everyone thinks it's a fucking redneck to do so you know whereas the kind of higher performers almost say in passing it's like humbly it's like oh so what was this and they'll be like oh well i've done this and you're like mm. sorry you done what <laughs> yeah what did you just say and it's something you don't normally hear either because people are just so used to having these same common conversations like it's even why when my mom and dad when i'm not seeing them in a while and will ask how i'm doing like i'll give them like so much in-depth detail because i'm used to talking about that to the other growth-minded people in my life yeah and i think to some degree they sometimes take a bit of a step back and maybe think like what just went on yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like i wasn't expecting to get that much from you but it's just because i'm so used to the people i surround myself with now talking on that level and talking about things very openly um and it doesn't come across arrogant because i don't see it unless i'm asked about it yep. you know like I'm, i don't go away shouting about the things i'm doing or the achievements i've made it's more so that i just do it out of if someone asks i'll tell them instead of just going oh my day's been fine you know like see when someone asks how's your day been oh, it's fine nothing happened not really mm. fuck that man i wouldn't even waste breath on that yeah <laughs> yeah but what about you do covered a lot there i was just gonna say nike dunks and trainer socks basically basically dressed like a dad <laughs> <laughs> i'd say being very in touch with the values what yeah. they value and grit so two two main things is very in touch with values and grit you should be able to reel off really and i'm saying this without knowing that i can reel it off but three things that you fully value in life and what you want to work towards mm. and acting within those three things every day and I think the majority of people who are high achievers at the peak of their performance will be acting within what they value every day. Like you mentioned, like, and that changes each person. So for me, it would be my family and friends, fitness and my well-being. Fitness being physical fitness, well-being being my mental well-being. My family and friends, they're the three things that I value. I'll do my exercise every day. I'll chat to my mom on the phone every single day and I'm very social. I've got a good group of friends in Newcastle. That for me makes me happy. That for me is what drives me for some people it is say financial like wealth that's something that drives a lot of people something that a lot of people value and so they'll do the business graft each day possibly fitness as well and i think it all kind of plays into one and having the grit to be able to actually have the discipline to work towards each of those things every day while making sacrifices because that's the thing like you're gonna have to act within what's at the top of your values some things which you still do value but are kind of bottom of the list you're gonna have to forego them some days they're not always going to be able to get completed that's yeah. fine so it's values and grit just gritting your teeth and fucking doing it yeah values is a big one because we spoke about values here before and like my three kind of top values are like leadership autonomy slash freedom and um travel actually like it wouldn't even say travel i'd say exploration like mm -hmm. a travel in my mind would probably be 
translated to exploration because I love to explore things. Yeah. It's not even just new places in the world. I just like to explore things in general. Yeah. Like, tell me more about what that means. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So for me, every day, it's like, how can I portray myself to be a better leader? Mm. Like whether it's a conversation I have with someone, whether it's the way I lead a team, whether it's the way that I show up for myself like yeah. and show my clients how it's done like i always want to be able to be in a position to say that i've never asked anyone to do anything that i have not fucking done myself like leadership is throwing yourself into that deep end and doing the shit that you need to to show that you are willing to put yourself on the line for the people that essentially are looking up to you and need you in your life as well like i remember when one of our old clients jody was running the london marathon and i'd been training for my marathon at the time as well and i'd get fucking injured i was out for like three months but obviously just played with um, injuries here because yeah. Jen's obviously just back for an injury. Built for injuries. I uh, built for injuries. <laughs> maybe, maybe you shouldn't join up. <laughs> um, but injuries, of course, everyone knows they're just weaknesses realistically that I've been waiting to fucking, waiting to go over time. Um, so I was out for like three months um, and then it was getting closer to the London Marathon. I think it was like two or three weeks out and the longest that I'd ran was uh, 14 miles at the time. And I was just like, you need to go out and run a marathon before she runs that because you can't fucking coach her to run that marathon or like tell her what's expected unless you've done it yourself. It was fucking torrid. Like running nearly double the distance that I'd ran and I hadn't ran that distance in about three months was fucking hellish. But at the same time, I'm willing to put myself through that hell to portray the leadership because I highly value it. And I think I highly value it. We talked a lot about this before of like, usually what you value as an adult is things that you didn't have when you were a child. So I didn't have the the leadership like if anything i was a fucking pure sheep i was a follower then travel or like exploration sorry was basically i didn't have the freedom and the autonomy to explore slash travel and this is how i kind of coincide these two together like autonomy and freedom for me is like just sheer autonomy and freedom of mind it's not freedom of like finance freedom of time whatever it may be it's just freedom of mind it's been able to make my own choices not feel pressurized by things i don't want to be pressurized by and then the exploration side of things is like being able to then explore what I have available to me with whatever those resources then may be that come off the back of like that autonomy and that freedom that I have based upon being in a better position to think, you know? So that's kind of where my values lie as a peak performer, high performer, if you want to call it that, on my journey to be one. What about you, Jim? Um, I'm roost all my answer uh, <laughs> values. Um, I think for me, autonomy, uh, integrity, and achievement are really, really big for me. I know that if those three things aren't present, I'm not going to be happy. Um, and I think, I think it's 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 like you say, it's having the autonomy to make the decision that you actually want, right? Because I think this is something I see all the time. It pisses me off. <laughs> is when people will only make the decision that makes sense mm. as opposed to they'll always, they're so in the habit of sacrificing what they want. Um, so they'll always make a decision that, that makes sense. I watch women do this so often. There, there's so much of decision making and the right decision that's conditioned into women. And I find it so frustrating that it's conditioned into women to prioritize those who they, who they provide a care and role for, or, you know, those people who they, who they almost like, have that supportive role for that's conditioned into them to put them first before themselves. Mm. Um, and don't get me wrong, there's a degree of that. Like if you've got a fucking three-year-old child, you kind of be like, I'm about to travel the world, bye. I catch it. Um, but I just think it's so conditioned into the, the natural roles of women that I, f I find it so frustrating when I see women make do the make the decision that makes sense. 
um, as opposed to the thing that they actually want. And I think that's why I love so often working with the guys in the programme is that we start to see how their understanding of decision-making changes. So because they see themselves make more decisions in line with what they think they can do, then they prove to themselves that they can do it. Then they see the impact that it, they, they, they have of just doing the thing that they wanted to do that once felt impossible. What am I going to do about the kids? What am I going to do with my husband? Am I going, I'll need to ask him to do this and he won't do that and he won't help me and he won't do this. And so I'm just landed with all of that. And what starts is one decision to be like, do you know what? You're sitting with the veins. I'm going to the gym. Something that starts with something as simple as that cascades into a whole different lifestyle of autonomy. And I think because I had no autonomy for such a huge chunk of my life, I'm like, now that I've got it, like I ain't giving up that. I ain't giving that up for no one. And I think it's it's nice that once I found it again in my life and I started to build on it, my life has become more and more autonomous as I get further up. So for me, there's something about values, like always having values-based decisions, but then asking yourself, how do I honor this value even more than I already am, right? Mm. Integrity is another big one. For me, I'm very, very, very ethics driven as a person. So it's learning to trust my instinct more and saying if I'm really going to stand by what I'm saying here and I'm really going to, with good faith, stand by this decision so that if in 20 years somebody came to me and said, do you still think this was the right decision to make? I can say absolutely because I trust whatever my instinct told me at that point in time. Yeah. That I, Even if I don't remember why, I made that decision for a reason. And I think when you can give yourself the freedom to think that way, live with integrity, live by what you feel is ethically and morally right, even when I look back at decisions that I made in the past that I think it's probably a bit daft, I still respect the person who, who made, made that decision. decision. Yep. Um, and I think when it comes to achievement, for me, learning's a huge one. Like I'm a lifelong learner, 100%, like probably much to your dismay because I'm like, I'm doing another qualification and he's like, oh, for fuck's sake. He's like, do you have the bandwidth for that? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh, I've got a bit of time and space, might go, might go back to uni again. And he's like, fucking stop it. Um, but for me, achievements, achievements really linked in my values base. So it's never ego-based. Like, I don't give a shit if it adds more letters after my name or if it's something that I can shout about from the rooftop. It's, if it's something that's going to add tangible information that I can use, that I can then use to impact the lives of other people. Then I'm going to do it like no brainer. And I think then being able to expand achievement out elsewhere in my life, for me, it was always academic and career based achievement. Whereas now, like just expanding it back into other areas of my life, like getting back in touch with things that I lost along the way that I loved, like playing my piano again it's been gathering dust for a very long time and allowing myself to be a beginner again go back to spanish lessons and allowing myself to be a beginner again there because i value the achievement that will come as a result of it instead of letting my ego get in the way because i can't do it to the same standard that i did before so many people deprive themselves of joy and fun in their lives because they used to be so good at something but i wouldn't be able to do it to that standard now so i'm just going to sack it off completely we'll go and be a beginner again then go and enjoy learning the process again from the start, re-engaging with something you love, drop the ego and allow yourself to be shit at it and just fucking enjoy it. I fucking love about humble pie. <laughs> <laughs> just on the chat of values as well now, in terms of when you do actually take some time, it does take time to figure out what you actually value because what you 100%. think you value if you've not put thought into it might just be someone else's values that have been imposed on you. Once you actually take time, figure out your values and actually start acting within them, 
that for me, I've never, before very recently, I would never have considered myself as someone who possibly had low self-worth. Mm. I've always been confident, always been loud, quite extroverted. But I've, had, I've always had like levels of like social anxiety and stuff like that as well that came along, say possibly ADHD, but I've always been confident despite it. As soon as, and it, I think it takes a bit of a shit situation to happen for people sometimes for you to draw your attention to it. But then in a very short period of time, obviously lost my dad, broke up with my girlfriend, did a lot of writing and figuring out what I actually value. And I never, ever, ever thought that I had low self-worth and I figured out that I definitely did, 100% did. And as soon as I started acting within my values previously, I was doing things for my mom, my sisters, not doing things that were actually going to support me because I had a girlfriend. She was, I was like, oh, fucking love her to pieces. I'll do what she wants to do and not act within my values. Honestly, getting rid of her and my dad was the best thing that's happened to us because like it's forced me to actually figure out what I want and actually act within that. I've started saying no to more nights out when previously people expected me to be kind of the rowdy boisterous one who's going to get absolutely shit faced and do something daft. Now I'm the one going to the pub and having waters and no one's giving me shit for it. No one's giving me shit for it. And I'm feeling so much more comfortable with myself. Previously, I couldn't, I wouldn't have been able to stay alone because I got all of my self-worth from other people's approval of me. And then as soon as I started acting within what I actually value, what I actually truly want to do, then that's why I started, when I started feeling much more comfortable with myself, not genuinely enjoying my own company for the mm -hmm. first time in my life, ever enjoying my own company, just spending a day at the beach by myself, doing a cold water by myself, not having to prove it to anyone, not having to get anyone else's approval. And I genuinely attribute all of that coming from me figuring out what I actually value and acting within it. I was joking, by the way, when I said that getting rid of my dad was the best thing. That <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't responsible for you're that. Just, you're <laughs> buying into the dark humor of this podcast. Exactly. Plus, he's definitely no kidding that much. But it's, you know, it goes back to what me and Jane have spoke about like before on this podcast. That, like you see the opportunities in that stuff. Like sometimes something big does have to happen for you to totally change your perspective and your outlook and really transform your life. Like something big has to happen. And as much as it might be unfortunate, the reality of life is that these things do happen as well. Of course, they come with the complexities of grief. They're hard to go through, but if you let it, it can totally fucking tear you apart when really there's so much to, to learn from it as well. Yeah. Like even, even looking at the people that you have lost, if that's something that you've gone through and been able to use that mentally, manipulate it in a way that allows you to focus like more of your efforts and intention into getting more from your life yeah it's such an incredible skill and these are skills that are discounted because again we're kind of taught to act a particular way when people pass away as well like i'm sure you've seen that like i'm sure you've even seen it as well Ru. like the way that people act when people pass away that they weren't even close to and they make it all about themselves mm -hmm. like i was speaking to a pal a few months ago about a boy we used to go to school with who's not in a very good position right now and he was saying oh I'm feeling so guilty. I should have helped him out. I should have reached out sooner. This, that, and the next thing. And I was like, mate, why are you making it all about you? Mm. Like, mm -hmm. why are you trying to make this about you here? Yeah. Like, this isn't about you. Like, and it's so people can make be made feel significant, be made feel more validated, you know, like validate them. Like, oh, come on, mate. It, it wasn't your fault. Like, you're a great guy. Like, you wanted to know. Like, people seek that fucking far too much without even realizing it because it's just subconscious things that we've learned over time that we should say and respond to things with yeah just fucking crazy to yeah. be perfectly honest and it's not until you take a backward step and look at things with a more kind of like eagle-eyed view 
instead of being one dimensional that you actually can say well how do i want to respond to this yeah. do i want to respond in this way or do i want to respond totally differently because you've got the option to do so yeah absolutely it's the perspective you choose to take isn't it 100 percent. there's always a choice in how you react to something and then me and my mum my sisters my girls now we whenever we talk about dad it's always uh, through even through his cancer and everything it was always very positive not fake positivity i think that's almost just as negative yeah. as, as negativity like you know you know it's bullshit there's no need to be overly fake positive but genuinely when we talk about it now i can quite safely say that there is a lot more positives for me to pull from the situation as a whole than there is negatives and i've said that through the whole thing as well like, yeah, it was fucking difficult. Like the hardest thing I've gone through in my life. It was three years, four years of my dad in a hospital bed declining. Like you're just watching your dad die, basically. But it brought me in, like, like there was a time where it could have pushed me and the girls apart. It brought us so much closer together. Even though we'd all snap at each other, we'd have the moments we understood, like that is what's going to happen in this yeah. situation. Brought the extended family so much closer together. Like everyone's so much more open. I've learned so much about myself. My mum has found she's gone through a whole personality change now she couldn't give a fuck about anything love like, that. Love it. Like she Laden. couldn't give a shit but she she is now so much happier in herself as well not because she's lost dad yeah. but because like she's understanding more about herself yeah and i feel like i'm very lucky that i've always had a very positive mum and she's very much into her kind of mindfulness and yoga and stuff which is where i'll probably get quite a lot of my introspection and, and positive mindset from but that definitely helped with the perspective of being able to grow through it as opposed to something which can cripple you like mm -hmm. some people could be in that situation and and deteriorate massively and become crippled and, and not recover from it it's very likely but if you see it manage to pick out the positives what are in the flowers and not the weeds i've said that a lot and i really like it there's always going to be a silver lining it's just being able to find it yeah and if you choose to find it if you choose to find aye. it exactly once it have a self-defeatist attitude aye. once it once it once it hits you you can just be like nope <laughs> <laughs> no thank you I'm just gonna stay exactly what i am <laughs> it's phil stutz i was chatting to you the other day phil yeah. stutz he says there's only three constants it's life it's it's hard work pain and uncertainty yeah three things you're going to encounter in life as soon as you embrace the fact that you're going to encounter those three things and you're going to be able to take them all more in your stride 100 yeah. percent. and the thing is obviously you're new to the team but i've been obviously working with jen for quite some time now and um, the amount of uncertainty that we both experienced together that we've sought out each other's expertise for yeah. like has only made us grow like it's actually a human need is uncertainty anyway like people love certainty and they love understanding what the outcomes are going to mm. be but when you actually fall in love with the fact that things are uncertain and that's part of the journey mm -hmm. yeah. and it's almost like i seen a facebook video a couple of weeks ago and this guy walked up to this girl and was like this is a mystery box you'll get whatever's inside if i let you shave your head off right this girl and she was like you know what fuck it shaved off opened it up there was only a quarter on it it was like in america it was a quarter and she was like you fucking kidding me and he was like well it was your choice like you had a choice whether or not you could there's the expectation fuck there's it the up again there's the expectation <laughs> so it's like you have to be okay with the the thing that you chose and understand that the curiosity and the kind of uncertainty pulled you in yeah but what can you learn from that yeah next time someone comes up with a fucking box and asks me shave my yeah. hair don't do it you know what i mean and and you can create so much certainty for yourself uh, like i spoke about this in our private podcast the guys a couple of weeks ago like 
it is really, really important that you create certainty, predictability and safety for yourself through a journey of change because they are th those are three things that will be significantly reduced as you start to stretch your potential and, and operate from discomfort. So actually, you can create so much fucking certainty and predictability in the things that you do and the way that you behave day to day, but you'd rather focus on the shit that you can't control and predict and then set expectations that you got upset about. Yeah. Focus on where you can actually create it for yourself because you can. I know. The thing is as well, when you're focusing on the things you can't control, you're almost always going to overestimate the extent of the negative like oh fucking yeah, right negative over happening yeah. yeah almost always going to overemphasize how negative it is especially if you've got something like anxiety depression you're going to even more overestimate it then you find that when you put yourself in that difficult situation you'll have the nerves you'll be anxious you'll have the physical feelings of it and then after 10 minutes figure out it's all absolutely fine yeah i was shit myself for meeting you guys yeah. today <laughs> So I was like, I as I mentioned about like being slightly socially anxious and no, I can socialize. I'm, I'm a chatty bloke, but it's just been ever since I was younger. I've always had that level of anxiety yeah. and yeah. I'm shitting myself even more now. And what did, we, <laughs> what did we do to make you comfortable? Made you record a podcast. <laughs> without, like, without knowing the title of it uh, until 10 minutes he's before. Like, he's like, what are we talking about? And I'm like, yeah, we'll just talk about this and we'll yep. just see where we go. Same fucking thing it did to me. Uh, and the same thing we always do. She's like, no, we really, like every time Jay's like, no, we really need to know what we're talking about. And I'm like, oh, fucking just leave it. <laughs> and then every time we come off, she's like, that was really good. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God, imagine that. Imagine <laughs> me knowing that that was going to be a good podcast. Probably, <laughs> I'd probably sound stiff as dicks if it was like an actual script or some, like a topic. Yeah. Because I feel, I feel too constrained. Still ask me the title every week though. Ah, yeah, still ask me. I'm like, ah, what do we call that? Like, I know we're talking about this, but what will we call what it? What are we talking about? And then what will I call it? But it's so true because I say, like, the more that you try and kind of talk through something that is more scripted or that you're practicing, you're just applying so much more pressure for things to be perfect. Yeah. And if they don't go that way, you're then just so focused on that expectation you had and you think, okay, how can I come back from this? How can I bounce back from it? It's like, in sport, and obviously you've played sport, like you can't have the kept the perfect game plan. Yeah. What if you go out and one of your best teammates gets injured within the first two minutes and you're like, right, we were going to be running everything through him today. What the fuck do we do now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like we are fucked it's in like Scotland without Finn Russell. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's a great example. That is a great example for anyone that watches rugby out there. Um so it's it's something that you need to you need to manage. But like one way you did create certainty for yourself was just by being yourself with us. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like just being who you are, asking questions, having an input on the conversations, not feeling as if like there was anything to be expected from today, bar just being yourself. Yeah. Kind of incapable of not putting inputting into conversations. Yeah, I know. It's, it's something I <laughs> struggle with every year. I know. I know. Like by now, you guys will probably be thinking, how the fuck did any of them get a word in between <laughs> them? Like they must just be shouting over each other all yeah. the time. Um but this has been a great podcast. Rudy, you're going to be the next one anyway because we're recording this straight after this. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a break first. Uh, I, think we, break. I, I think we all probably need to pee again. We all, yeah. had coffee before we, we all had coffee before we came here and they were all just sitting drinking water and I think each of us is like, who's going to the fucking toilet first? <laughs> Sorry to ruin the glamour of all this, guys. <laughs> no, no, listen, listen we, we, uh, we, we truly believe in like, <laughs> being open and honest, see all uh, I thought... They, <laughs> See, all I thought about there when you said, this is raw. I just thought about <laughs> like casting it. couch on Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to wrap up there. I just want to wrap up there. <laughs> Pornhub, what's that? Pornhub, what? <laughs> Cut that out, Paul. Um, so, uh, guys, we're, go we're going to wrap up there. You know the way they like to deliver some laughs. Um, 
I don't know if Jen's face says otherwise right now. Just, just keep it within a container, eh? We've still want to get a sponsor one day. <laughs> Please don't ruin it completely. Pornhub can sponsor. Listen, listen, they've got the cash. Yes. So Aye, true. I'll, wear, could, I'll wear the jumper. This could be the real casting couch. <laughs> There's my integrity out the window. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, guys, we're going to wrap up there. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you've enjoyed it, as always, let us know. Share the podcast. We would love to hear your thoughts, even if something resonates with you. But Jen, Rue, say goodbye to the guys. See you later, team. team. See you next week. See you later on.